0: Welcome to Citizen Science, a podcast from SciStarter. This show spotlights the many different ways that individuals and communities are exploring and changing the world around them through public participation in science. This episode features an interview of Jessica Wardlaw, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Nottingham's Rights Lab, by Justin Schell, a librarian and media producer and the co-host of the Citizen Science podcast. The focus of this conversation is the Slavery from Space project hosted on Zooniverse, a citizen science web portal. The project itself allows users to assist in the mission to end slavery by mapping the locations of activities in which people are frequently found to be enslaved. The project has a deadline for as many users as possible to analyze their data set before this Saturday, April 20th, so us featuring this project is very timely. Here's our interview with Jessica Wardlaw, and we hope you enjoy it and contribute to the Slavery from Space project.
1: Dr. Wardlaw, thanks for joining us here on the Citizen Science Podcast. Could you start by introducing yourself and how you got started with the project and what you're hoping to accomplish with it?
2: First of all, thank you very much for having me on. I'm really excited to get the project out there. I'm a member of the University of Nottingham's Rights Lab, a multidisciplinary, multi-departmental faculty uh, research team focused on ending modern slavery. One aspect of this project The angle that I'm coming in from is from my background in geographical information systems. I studied geography at university and proceeded to an engineering doctorate that took me down the route of human-computer interaction and citizen science. So following my PhD, I moved to Nottingham on a European project, actually looking for geological changes on the surface of Mars, which sounds very far removed from modern slavery, but the approach that I'm using is very much the same. We're looking at getting volunteers to locate features in satellite images to improve our understanding of the prevalence of features in those images. So whether they're dust devils on the surface of Mars, or in this case, human activity associated with modern slavery. We're hoping to gather a data set that gives us a much more micro-level picture of the prevalence of slavery, where they occur, and understand its use for bonded labor better.
1: So it sounds like you were involved in citizen science before this specific project.
2: I was, yes.
1: The project with Mars, did that also use Zooniverse?
2: This was on the Zooniverse as well, actually. So we've developed quite a relationship with the Zooniverse, but um, this project has actually brought us into contact with the satellite data companies uh, here on Earth. So with the Martian data, we were looking at historical records more, whereas for the modern slavery project, we're looking at much more recent images for now, although time series and trends in the pattern of slavery is something that we might look at further down the line.
1: Got it. What caused that shift of focus for you, moving back to Earth from Mars, as it were?
2: It was just it just happened through the job shift. Actually, it's because um, before I moved into the Rights Lab, I was at the Geospatial Institute in Nottingham, and one of the heads of our research group there was involved in setting up the Rights Lab. He, he'd had conversations with somebody called Kevin Bales, who's a global expert on everything to do with modern slavery, and he spotted. Uh, I think it was fish processing plants in uh, satellite images from Google Earth in the Sundarbans National Park in Bangladesh. When he was conceiving the Rights Lab and all the expertise that there was in Nottingham that could have an impact upon modern slavery and eliminating it, he approached Stuart Marsh of the. Geospatial Institute to see how we might be able to help. And he had oversight of the work that I was doing on Mars, so it all stemmed from that.
1: Tell us about the process of doing this project. When someone goes to the project site, what are you asking them to do?
2: We are asking you to click through images, small squares, of 300 metres squared on the ground, taken by Digital Globe satellite. So we partnered with Digital Globe on this project, who give imagery to Google Earth quite often. If you look in the corner of a Google Earth image for its source, it will quite often be a Digital Globe one. In this square, we're asking a volunteer to tell us if they see a brick kiln. And this brick kiln. It looks a bit like a running track sometimes. So it's that kind of shape, the elongated, curved rectangle, I guess you call it. And it's clay coloured. They have chimneys in the middle that cast a shadow over the ground. Um, we're asking you to identify these features in the image. So you will click either a yes for the presence of a kiln or no if there isn't a kiln. And that's all there is to it. We started by asking volunteers to mark where on the square the um, kiln was located. But we soon discovered how messy the data can get using that method. So we simplified it quite a lot to make it easier for volunteers to get involved as well. Because it means you can just click through with the keyboard or on your tablet or whatever. Slavery, modern slavery is really quite prevalent amongst brick kilns in northern India. That's what we call the Brick Belt. And one of our key focuses of the last year has been to map the Brick Belt across Central Asia. So it's not just in India, it spreads through Pakistan and parts of Nepal, I think, through to Bangladesh. It's one of the areas in which modern slavery is most prevalent. But we were lucky to have, through Kevin dales we had Connections with organizations on the ground who had an interest in this data and might actually have uses for it in their work.:
1: When someone clicks yes on an image of a kiln, how does that data then get into the hands of those local advocacy groups in the region?
2: Yeah, that's a, an excellent question. And one we're still figuring out actually is, is this is quite an organic project in that way, because the first time that um, this approach has been used, I think, in this way. So at the moment, I can tell you that the citizen science data is helping to improve and verify a machine learning algorithm that is mapping brick kilns. For a computer, a feature like a brick kiln could easily be mistaken for a roundabout. For example, in the road, we're looking to automate this process as much as possible through the help of the crowd so that we can produce the maps in... Almost real time, but for now we're producing static maps for, we have produced a static map for the people on the ground, which shows the prevalence of brick kilns. And this is being used in their advocacy work and to affect policy change on the ground in these areas.
1: You have a deadline coming up this month and a goal you want to have people help you reach. Can you tell me more about that and why it's important that people help you meet it?
2: So the deadline... First of all is the 20th of April is your last chance to get involved. We, we ran it for some time at the end of last year and we're discovering that to be certain of our results, we need this final push to um, add more value to our data set, the crowdsource data set. So in this project, we have 100,000 images for volunteers to classify, which was always going to be ambitious. So yeah, just we're looking for as many people to get stuck in as possible before the 20th of April.
1: Are there things you can point to that would help motivate people to contribute?
2: So you will see, well, new scientists got very interested in what we were doing early on. That's story kind of escalated into a feature-length documentary that people can watch and uh, discover how the whole process is linking up to um, what is happening on the ground. Recently, we had we were quoted in Science magazine because uh, the Rights Lab has kicked off what they're calling Code 8.7. So 8.7 is the number of the Sustainable Development Goal that the United Nations has set. To end modern slavery by twenty thirty. So this is kind of driving the urgency of this project is this UN sustainable development goal. We're already publishing scientific results of that. Uh, last year, for example, we published a paper on the on the machine learning map that the crowdsourced data was used to ground truth what the algorithm was finding. Got it, okay. Yeah, so so volunteers are essentially our eyes on the ground. There are surveyors out in the field who are telling us what there actually is because these areas are really difficult and often actually quite dangerous to access. They can be very far from any infrastructure. These satellite images are our only way of speeding this process up of understanding the prevalence of slavery. I think quite often people are concerned that slaves are put in danger by our project because we're trying to spot these activities but I want to reassure everyone that the scale that we're looking at that the images are at we would never see a slave and I would also like to point out because this is another thing that comes up in a lot of discussions is whether there are slaves in every single brick kiln And I would like to say there aren't. (laughs) I'd like like to make that absolutely clear. There are some entirely legitimate brick kilns. But because we're working with people on the ground, it ensures that we're working with people who have an understanding of the local area. So they will know how many brick kilns they go into that do have so they can focus their resources more effectively in that way.
1: It's another form of ground truthing. You need to know where the legal ones and the illegal ones are.
2: Yes, and hopefully the data we capture will help us to understand that better, whether there are visual differences in brick kilns that are legal and which ones are illegal. You know, that's the exciting thing about this project. Maybe we can start to predict where the brick kilns will appear by understanding the properties of the satellite image. Maybe there are specific um, landscape features that they will appear next to maybe they appear a certain distance from a town for example the effort is really to um, improve our understanding of this practice of the bonded labor and we'll be moving on to other um, industries such as mining and illegal deforestation and fishing further down the line but the biggest impact that we can have is with these brick kilns
1: so how can someone get started in contributing to the project?
2: They would go to the Zooniverse project page. You don't actually even have to register on the Zooniverse to take part. That's the beauty of the Zooniverse. You just click Get Started and you'll be shown a tutorial that shows you some of the things to look out for. It teaches you what a brick kiln looks like, the different shades and ages of brick kilns that you might find, the different shapes how to spot them with thanks to the transport network and other things like that you'll go through a tutorial then it will just take you straight to the task that will show you an image and you'll click either no brick kiln brick kiln or cloudy because some of the images will have cloud in them but because we're getting so many people involved you don't have to even worry that you get if you get it wrong all we ask is that you have a go so that we can get through this data set in the time period. It will help us if you do register with the Zooniverse, but there's no obligation. So it will help us because it will prevent uh, you from being shown the same image more than four times. So if you register with the Zooniverse, it will know which images you have seen and which ones you haven't. If you don't register, then it won't. That's the only reason we ask people to sign up.
1: And it's also a measure of quality control.
2: Yes, we will be using it for quality control as well.
1: Cool. I think that's about all the questions I had. Is there anything else that you want to share about the project or you would want people to know about?
2: Please do take part and get in touch
0: on the message board.
1: Best of luck getting through those 100,000 images.
0: Thank you very much for your time, Justin. Thanks. You heard it, folks. Slavery from Space's latest data set may close this Saturday, April 20th. They need help from citizen scientists like you to finish it. Check out Slavery from Space today. Citizen Science is hosted and produced by Caroline Nickerson and Justin Shell in conjunction with SciStarter. You can find a transcript of this episode as well as more information about the podcast at SciStarter.org forward slash podcast. Our podcast should be available on all the major podcatchers, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, and others. If you can't find it, drop us a line at info at and we'll get you set up. In the meantime, we'll have a new episode in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.